0: and welcome to this episode of Cybersecurity Inside What That Means Threat Detection Today we have with us Ram Chari he is senior director of engineering in the product assurance and security group at Intel which is part of the Security Center of Excellence Now Ram has a background in computer science and also physics and he's kind of done a whole bunch over his career in engineering but What might be particularly interesting to people now is he and his team actually invented threat detection technology. Now, we typically don't talk about product in this What That Means podcast, and true to form, we're going to open with really Ram's definition of threat detection, but threat detection technology gets into ransomware. So we want to talk about it and kind of understand the broader scope. Welcome to the show, Ram.
1: Thank you, Camille. Camille.
0: So ransomware is generally this notion of you get some kind of a cyber attack that basically locks up your system or makes it inaccessible or your data inaccessible, and right. then you have to pay, usually in a cryptocurrency, but yes. it wouldn't have to be, you exactly. have to pay somebody to reaccess it. So yep. um, how actually does it work technically? Like what's happening and how does it get onto the system in the first place or into the network?
1: Right. It's always there is a human involved in the first phase of the entry, unfortunately. But uh, one of the things that happens quite often is you may get a an email from, it looks very legitimate, that's maybe coming from your bank or uh, you know e-commerce vendor, and you click on it. That's that's what they call the phishing emails. Mm-hmm. And you click on it and you click on the link, and unbeknownst to the end user, uh, there is this malware that actually gets loaded onto their system. And, and oftentimes that malware is dormant and its main goal of course is particularly in an organization is to spread to as many of the systems as as possible email and other mechanisms to spread around to kind of evade the detection barriers that are put in many of them will will stay dormant for a while and as you noted one of the things that they do is they go around and encrypt the whole drive or you know partially Mm -hmm. encrypt files and at that point they demand the ransom and some of them even exfiltrate the data you know they move the data to the cloud uh, so that at the end of the day it's it's primarily to get a ransom but but things as you have known recently have gotten beyond that as we get to uh, just those in it for the the few bitcoins uh, it can be a state-sponsored attack in which case it's it's not just money at that point it's there are other agendas but the entry point is always as i said it's it's something innocuous that comes into your system uh, that gen launches it unbeknownst to the user.
0: Malware is a piece of software, correct? Yes. So how does a piece of software or an application find its way into the hardware to encrypt something?
1: Right. Like I said, sometimes they'll be dormant for a while. And then they, when they activate themselves, the first thing that they do is they will usually connect to a backend server somewhere, you know, which is to get those encryption keys. And one thing they may do is sometimes they may copy files over, but oftentimes they'll start the encryption process. It just runs like any other program, and it starts from directory A and kind of chunks its way through the entire system. And it can happen quite quickly. In a few minutes, that entire system may be corrupted. And the problem there is if you can't detect it right away, imagine a company like ours where, you know, you may have 100,000 employees. And let's say, you know, somewhere I accidentally clicked on one of these emails and something is launching on my machine, would it be nice if within a few seconds, the AV on that machine that's running one of our partner solutions can detect that attack right away and not just remediate my machine, but can help protect the 100,000 other machines in the enterprise. That's what we are trying to achieve, is, is to catch it right as soon as that problem occurs.
0: So how does it catch it?
1: In our CPUs, in, in our case, Intel CPUs, there is something called a performance monitoring unit, which is, you know, way down in the CPU, and it's tracking exactly, you know, microarchitectural details of what is actually happening. Uh, As I said earlier, you know, Malware is, at the end of the day, software. It's going to, you know, whatever it's doing when it's encrypting files, it has to run on the CPU. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's, it's doing some strange behavior, right? Unlike most regular programs, it's going through entire directories and it's chunking through and it's actually compressing or encrypting a lot of these files. And we use that capability in the PMU to now look for that pattern that that encryption is is going through. And we kind of program that. And as I said, there is some machine learning models that we built based on that. Uh, And we can then detect any time in the future there is a variant that's something like that, right? And we can, uh, this is, this is machine learning is no different than you're teaching it to recognize a dog by showing, you know, f- pictures of 50 dogs and it's it's going to detect another 50 dogs without you telling it. That's exactly what we're doing, excepting we are training it to the various types of attacks we know of. And then eventually it detects any new variant that might come in. Uh, the crux of your question, Camille, is uh, the reason we are able to do that is at the end of the day, those encryption algorithms, they don't change all that much. Hmm. There are these few types of encryption algorithms that they use, but those malware just reuse the same thing over and over, right? They look different, hmm. but ultimately when they start executing, they have this commonality, and that's what we are trying to catch.
0: So how do you know that it's not encryption that you're doing on purpose on your own system?
1: That's 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 a great question because that's one of the things when we talk to our partners, you know, they kind of have three requirements. You know, one is it has to be proactive, it has to catch something as quickly as possible. The second important thing is it it has to have low false positives because <laughs> you know if it's crying wolf all the time, it's it's actually sometimes worse than it not flagging mm-hmm. anything. And what you're asking is the crux of the sole solution. Is any machine learning model is only as good as the data that you train it on, right? Mm-hmm. At least initially, that's what we are trying to train before we let it loose in the world. And this is why working with our partners mm-hmm. has been critical. The first set sort of data that we have to train on is the malware itself. I mean, there are publicly available databases of you know, take ransomware, there are so many variants of it. We, we take all of them and we train the models with it. Uh, that that is just to catch any new variants. But how do we make sure it discards the good applications mm-hmm. from that? So we train it on a whole ton of commercial applications that are out there so that it it knows how to differentiate between the good apps and the malware. And the other important part, and this is why a partnership with our AV vendors and EDR vendors is critical. Is AV antivirus. Antivirus, yes, yes. AV is antivirus, thank you. And they're going to deploy it in... Different geography, running all, you know, in a small company setup, running an app that we would never see. Mm-hmm. But we get that data, right? We get that data working with our partners. And we can then train our models to say, hey, you know, ignore these types of attacks. Mm-hmm. It very quickly gets to the point where it's able to tell the good apps from the bad. So and we've trained it so that when we detect that bad app, and it's fairly certain, you know, and it gives that handle to our partners so they can remediate.
0: So, as fast as you're kind of training and designing training, um, I assume that there's bad actors out there adjusting the ransomware so that you think it's good versus bad. So, how do you kind of keep track of that, or keep up with it, or keep ahead of it?
1: That's that's a, a good point as well. The two aspects to it, right? The first part is that's why machine learning is critical, as opposed to the standard case. You're telling it to look for a particular pattern. Here, we want it to go beyond that. We're going to train it on all the samples that we know of. And and essentially, we are training that model. That's why machine learning is critical, because we are now telling it, look for other things you haven't seen yet. And Mm -hmm. and over time, it kind of detects these new samples. And every once in a while, we have to go and retrain it, because there may be a new variant. But but oftentimes, we find that there may be a new variant that uses the same encryption algorithm that we've already trained it on. And, Mm -hmm. And so... Ultimately, when that encryption algorithm gets triggered, we are able to detect it and we can flag it. And and the advantage of doing it, the CPU is, uh, you know, the typical bypass mechanism that many malware could have is it can back off. So rather than running continuously, it can run and then stop and run. Mm -hmm. And and the granularity of the CPU at which we are monitoring is so fine that it doesn't matter. I mean, we can detect them even if they do that. Of course, if they do it at the point where they are not encrypting at all for a long time, we have succeeded because that's, that's the whole goal of the malware is to encrypt the system. So we can stop it that way too. That's, that's one thing. The second part, as I said, is we do work with, with our partners so that when there are new variants, we can very quickly train it. Mm-hmm. We can update our models and we share it with our partners and it's an over-the-air update. So they can update it in, in minutes if they choose to.
0: Is this a technology that goes across computers and servers?
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's a good point. The the PMU that we uh, or the performance monitoring unit that I was referring to, that's cross Intel. The same thing is true on our endpoint or PCs. It's also applicable to the servers. Absolutely.
0: Let me just ask you kind of a high level question. I actually just recently read the World Economic Forum Cybersecurity Report published in January 2022, Uh and you know they mentioned that ransomware is kind of still on the rise. I remember last year kind of looking at trends and and seeing that ransomware was sort of all over all the security conferences. Why is it suddenly such a big deal and continuing to trend up?
1: The the answer is complex. And part of the thing is, I think it's an easy way for those who are interested in in making money. It's it's a very easy way to do that. These days, ransomware is almost as a service. As I was saying, there is an underlying Mm. architecture which may be using the same encryption algorithms, a lot of commonality. Somebody can very quickly come up with a different variant very quickly until this this technology like ours gets very broadly deployed. Uh, They can work around just enough of the systems out there. Maybe those systems don't have the latest software, and they're able to get there, and they're able to hold it for ransom. Because one thing that all of us need, especially in a corporate environment, it's true for us outside of work too, is You know, our data that we have is is the most precious thing we can have. They can attack and they know, you know, no company wants to be held ransom, but at the same time, their business is at stake. So they are very aggressively targeting it. But as we have seen, it sometimes uh, goes beyond just a corporate environment. There are attacks that are going after uh, national infrastructure. So their motivations there are different, and they will probably continue.
0: So uh, what... I guess, what do you think the future of ransomware is going to be? Is it going to be the same kind of thing? Is it going to expand to personal photos? Like, I I, I never really thought about the fact that somebody might lock up my photos and say, hey, five bucks, you can have your photos back. It's like, well, that's a pretty mass scale. I mean, where are you seeing it head?
1: Yeah, I think all of those places. I think because of the fact that they can very easily spin up new variants and there isn't yet a definitive way to stop all of them. I mean, our partners are doing a heroic job in catching most of these attacks, mm-hmm. but they just have to get through sometimes and just for for enough time to be able to catch some of those corporations. There are some, you know, best known methods, uh, techniques that people can use, but everybody knows, you know, the software has to be always updated, but doesn't always happen that way. And I think given the, the ease with which, uh, you know, you can just make a, a claim for a Bitcoin payment, it can be done. So that's that's what when we talk to our partners who are in the front lines of this, that's what they're telling us, that they don't see this abating in the near future.
0: And that cryptocurrency essentially kind of helped enable yes. it. I, I'm not painting cryptocurrency as just no. a it's not good or bad, but it is one way of, you know, collecting money in an anonymous way.
1: Absolutely. But, yeah. that, that that does definitely help the ability to be able to monetize, as you said. That's correct. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is anybody arguing over, like, how best to detect threats? Are there other approaches in industry? Is looking for encryption kind of the holy grail and the only way it's done? Are there other methods?
1: Yeah. The way I would say is our partners, they're all trying their best to detect these attacks using all kinds of techniques. I mean, they're using behavior analysis just based on software techniques today. And and that's why they have been successful at detecting many of these attacks. The challenge in, in that approach is sometimes it, it ends up being uh, reactive. You know, you may have a scenario where that particular day when that attack happens, a particular AV may not have necessarily have caught it. Uh, they will very quickly fix it. But one of the things we are trying to do to them, and, and and to be fair, they have hundreds of techniques to detect it. So our goal is to augment the great work our partners are already doing it so that we can make mm-hmm. ours a little bit more proactive uh, you know, it's it's always about that edge. How can they continue to do that?
0: That's pretty cool. Like if you you start to go, okay, something's starting yes. to encrypt. Like you're looking at that right. down at the processor right. level. That's pretty yeah. interesting. And you the know? fact
1: that we can eliminate the fact it's not a, a good application that's actually doing it. And, and based on the <laughs> machine learning models, we can tell uh, it's the bad guy. That's the information we give to them. And there are other aspects to, you know, the technology itself, which I, I can mention, right? Which is, uh, you know, the, the one question we may get from our audience is, you know, machine learning sometimes is is CPU intensive, right? That's that's one of the reasons people don't like to run it all the time. You know, rather what we find is a lot of these machine learning algorithms that you're developing, you can run it on the CPU and it can take, you know, 5%, 6 7% of your CPU, but we can offload it to this uh, integrated graphics that's just there mm. And you can drop the CPU consumption to almost, you know, less than 1%. So it's, it's not perceptible. That's another important requirement for our, from our partners is how do you, how do I leave this running all the time without necessarily being a CPU hog, right? So it's, it's that third leg of that solution, which is, which is also important. But the primary goal at the end of the day is to make sure we are being proactive that we eliminate the false positives using machine learning. And the third part is do that in a performant way. So that's kind of the the aspects of threat detection.
0: So one other final question for you is another thing, since I just read this World Economic Forum report, it's kind of top of mind for me. Another thing that they brought up is this kind of shift from just talking about cybersecurity to talking about cyber resilience and, you know, that I think for me, the first the first thing that I kind of note with that is, okay, now we're saying it's inevitable to some degree. No matter what you do, right. you will not be able to protect 100%, 100% of the time. So you have to have a way to, you know, mitigate, you have to have a way to triage, you have to have a way to bounce back or, you know, have a fail safe, alternative plan, right. whatever it is. I want to kind of get your opinion of, what is really important in that resilience space? I mean, you're working on detecting threats. So from your perspective, what is really the key thing people should be looking at from, I guess, maybe it's the other side, the resilient side?
1: Right. The whole idea of detection is we can give this immediate notification to our partners to do remediation, right? So the first thing to do is to make sure that your software is up to date and oftentimes when you work with these partners particularly like at home for instance you know our av is probably getting pushed and updated by default but it's always good to verify that it is the second thing of course to to always there needs to be a plan b for these cases uh, which is which which i think people do very well in a commercial environment but not as much sometimes at home is you have to back up all your data this is what i tell anybody i know is make sure you're backing it up and you're not having that connected to your PC because, Mm -hmm. you know, it shouldn't be an extensible uh, system. And that at least takes care of the the fact that you're the recovery part of it, right? And Mm -hmm. of course, they make these attacks so innocuous and enticing. Nobody knowingly Mm -hmm. will click on that email, but use as much as possible identity protection. You know, use biometrics in your platform if it's available so the authentication becomes more reliable, you know, so so it you can authenticate it's you when you log into it could be any website or you know at work or outside. And likewise the website can actually trust you. So I think there are other attributes to this this whole thing. And by the way, our the the, the larger security ecosystem is working diligently on that. But those are other aspects uh that don't also need to be pursued.
0: So let me ask you a personal question, because you're sure. such a techie. What do you do in computing that you know you shouldn't? Or what do you not do that you know you should?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Or are uh, you perfect? <laughs> no, no. None of us is perfect. There's an example, right? This is, I've been in the security space for some years, so I should know this. But out of the blue sometime, maybe three years ago, I got a call from from someone saying, okay, hey, I'm calling you from, from this bank, which is a legitimate bank that I have a, an account in. And they said, we have a compromise. You know, we need to know your account number, right? And I was running from one building to another, from a meeting to meeting. I, I didn't think about it. And I just gave the account number. And then they started saying social security number. And, and I've been in this space enough to say, wait a minute, this, yeah. this doesn't make sense. I was just not in the moment when I was doing mm-hmm. that. So I tell you know everybody I know, just don't give away your personal information because that's the easiest way to to compromise uh, your system. But uh, it's like driving, you know, every day you have to be focused. And likewise, I think with security, uh, we have to be deliberate in what we do and use the tools that are available. You know, use the biometrics if if it's second factor authentication, use it. And that's what I try to do.
0: Thank you very much, Ram Chari, joining us from Intel, uh, where he and his team invented threat detection technology, and he's Senior Director of Engineering in the Product Assurance and Security Group within the Security Center of Excellence. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Great. Thank you, Camille. It was a great pleasure talking to you.
0: Stay tuned for the next episode of Cybersecurity Inside. Follow at Tom M. Garrison